Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. Well, hey, good morning. Um, I don't talk about this too often, but uh, sometimes I think it's worth sharing and, and just kind of connecting and letting uh, each other know kind of where we're, our stories may or may not intersect. So I know for me, uh, growing up, my family, oh, we, didn't, we weren't really wealthy at all. In fact, I mean, just plainly, we were, we were poor. And um, a lot of that was fueled by um, just some decisions in our family that probably weren't the wisest. Uh, my parents went through a divorce. My, my dad suffered deeply um, from alcoholism. And there's all kinds of things that that come in line with that. And so I remember, you know, when you're little, you don't know anything about that. But then when you start getting older and connecting with friends, you start to realize like there's differences between your home and their home and things you have and things they have. Uh, I know it's funny, like right now we'll talk about kids uh, are wearing uh, the champion brand all over the place, right? Like when we were growing up, well, when I was growing up, like you didn't want to wear champion, right? We couldn't even afford champion. I was wearing winners, right? Like that, that's what it it was all it was called, just winners. Um, but, you know, the more I became aware of where, uh, like, my family was financially, I just started to get embarrassed, you know, as I got older into middle school and high school. And, and that embarrassment actually started to create a drive in me to want to succeed. Um, and, and what that su- uh, desire for success was, it was actually really driven by fear, because I was, I was afraid of missing out. I was afraid of not having things. I was afraid of whatever I did have, I might lose it. And so it went to this kind of weird competition place where it's either you win or you lose. And if you don't win, um, then you lose. And there's only so much pie that is out there for people to have. And so um, I just really tried to be everything that I could be, whether it was school, whether it was earning money, whether it was just anything at all, I was driven by this desire to succeed that was really um, put forward by fear. And I thought, I thought as I look back on that, I thought for a while that this, this fear and this embarrassment that I was sensing in my own life was actually the product of, of financial poverty, right? That's what I thought. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat that. I'm not going to live that life uh, as I get older. But What I began to realize, especially after I came to Christ, the embarrassment and the fear didn't really come from financial poverty. Where it really came from was from spiritual poverty. That's actually the the truest source of that because I didn't know anything about God at all. Um, I think I, my mom took me to Sunday school at a Lutheran church like one time because she might have been feeling guilty uh, that, you know, we weren't in church enough and I was probably making really bad choices so they were going to fix me in one Sunday. Uh, <laughs> didn't work. Um, so, <laughs> but I was, I was living my life without God. I simply didn't know who he was. I didn't know who Jesus was. I didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit, right? I didn't know any of that, And so in my mind, before I came to Christ, I thought things like success and things like money and things like influence would solve this embarrassment, would fill this emptiness that was in my life. And and I think that that's a common thought, no matter your economic level, like where you started. 
there's like this fear of losing stuff and, and that there's this thought, if I can just have more, if I can have more uh, wealth, if I can have more influence, if I can have more fun times, if I can have more whatever, then I won't feel empty about myself anymore. And what ends up happening is, again, it doesn't matter whether maybe your story, you grew up very similar to mine, maybe uh, very different, maybe you came from an affluent family or middle class or, or whatever, but we are come to this place where you begin to be afraid of losing that which you have, which then causes you to become tight-fisted with the things that you have. And I'm not only talking about money, I'm talking about being tight-fisted with your time, tight-fisted with your influence, with your friendships, right? Like all with, you know, information, with your emotions, right? Some of us just refuse to let other people know how we're feeling in a moment, even though it can be read all over our face. And so we become tight-fisted, trying not to lose anything. And in the process, what we don't realize is what we're doing is we're actually grabbing water. You ever tried to grab water? You grab it and you think you got a whole bunch and then you open up your hand and there's nothing. It's all run out, right? And that's what ends up happening when we try to be tight-fisted with these resources that God's put into our lives. And so today, what I want to do is I want to show you from the scriptures three truths about living open-handed as opposed to closed-fisted, open-handed, and I want to show you one invitation that you and I can make that actually has the power to loosen our grip on those things in our lives. And so uh, I think, as Josh mentioned, if you will turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 4, or you can click over there on your device, that would be great. My name is Fritz Bila. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, super glad you're with us today, um, especially all of our guests who are here in the house. Thank you for being here. You could have, you could have been anywhere uh, on this Sunday morning, and you chose to be here. So uh, I am personally grateful. Uh, it means a lot to me that you would come to Lighthouse Community. I do want to welcome those who are joining at Lighthouse Online, or maybe you're at Bluffton Community. Community or Faustoria, Living Hope. Uh, we're just really glad that all of you are with us today. We're actually kicking off a brand new series called Face to Face. Some of you may remember we kind of already did this back in March uh, where we were looking at real people in the Bible and we were discovering not so much, okay, how do I be like this guy? How do I not be like that guy? But instead we're going, how did their lives intersect with God? How do we learn how to trust God in our own lives more and more? And so as we look at these people, the hope is that what you may have originally thought of as characters in the Bible, well, you'll actually see there's a real people. These were real people who lived real lives that really dealt with situations, some that we can relate to, some that are way beyond things than we've ever dealt with in our lives. But most importantly, that we would actually learn more about who we are in Christ and how we can trust God more and more in our own lives. And so next week, we're going to be talking about the person of Rahab. Uh, so the Old Testament character uh, person from there. Uh, in week three, we're going to be looking at Timothy. This was Paul's uh, protege. His, he was pouring into him. Week four, we're going to be looking at the Luke 8 demoniac. That is an incredible story of life change. And today, we're talking about a guy by the name of Barnabas. And so that's where we're going to be at today. So before we go any further, I do want to take a moment and pray together. Let's bow our heads and pray. God, I have this really deep desire this morning to share your scripture clearly and well, and, and not so much in a way 
where it's like, oh, isn't that guy uh, able to keep our attention for, you know, 15 or 20 minutes? He, he really did a good job, or he, he taught me something I didn't know that was in a creative way. Uh, God, more than anything, my prayer is that once again, you would reveal yourself freshly to your people who are created in your image, who are called to be your children. And so maybe there are some today that are just, they're just like discovering this whole God thing and they're trying to figure out what that means and what that looks like. I pray that truth would be communicated with the utmost clarity and people would hear you speak to them and it would change our lives. It would change my life. It would change the lives of my friends and family here today, whether they're in the house or they're somewhere else. God, more than anything, we want to hear from you because you, your words are life. Your words are life. And so we love you. Holy Spirit, do your thing in this place today, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Okay, here's, uh, here's the first truth I want to jump in uh, very quickly is this, is that Barnabas lived open-handed. Barnabas lived open-handed. Now, before we get into that, I do want to talk about who is this guy Barnabas, because maybe you've never heard about this guy named Barnabas. Well, the first place we see him is in Acts chapter 4, verse 36. This is after Jesus' death, after his resurrection. This is after the Holy Spirit has come to indwell in the believers, right? So Acts chapter 4, verse 36, Barnabas comes on the scene, and it says this, thus Joseph who is also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus. And so just by looking at that, we can see, first off, his real name is Joseph, right? And he's a Jew. And actually, he's a part of the tribe of Levi, right? This was the priestly tribe. But interestingly enough, instead of being in Jerusalem or even in Israel, he's living on an island called Cyprus that's kind of out in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. So he's not really living in the home country uh, where the rest of his people would be. But he ends up coming to faith. We don't know how he came to faith in Christ, but he did. And he was so well known that the apostles, right, the 12, gave him a nickname. And the nickname is Barnabas. Now, I know for a lot of us that commonly gets translated son of encouragement, but uh, a couple of scholars have actually said that it's probably better translated son of exhortation or one who preaches, that that was actually probably a better translation of Barnabas. This guy was a teacher, right? There's a lot of times I've heard all kinds of sermons on Barnabas, and they're like, you know, you get to the end, and they're like, go be a Barnabas. Go, like, pat people on the head and encourage them, and tell them, you know, good job, buddy, uh, those types of things. But that's actually not really who Barnabas was. Barnabas was a very thoughtful leader in the church, a remarkable teacher of truth, and that comes clear in the nickname that the apostles gave him. And, and so that's Barnabas, just in a, in a broad brushstroke. Now, when we say that Barnabas lived open-handed, what do we mean by that? Well, it's the difference between living this way or living this way, right? It's, and, and Barnabas lived this way. You begin to see it. The very next verse, Acts chapter 4, verse 37, says that Barnabas sold a field that belonged to him, and he brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Right? So he has something he owns, he sells it, and he gives it to the leaders of the church for them to do whatever they see fit as best for advancing the gospel and making disciples of Jesus Christ. And so he's open-handed with his property, he's open-handed with his finances. 
But it doesn't stop there. He's actually open-handed with his influence. If you fast forward to Acts chapter 9, verses 26 and 27, this is after Saul, and I'm going to refer to him as Paul from here on out, the Apostle Paul. This is after Paul comes to faith in Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, and he comes to Jerusalem, and this is what happens. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him. Why? Because he had been out hunting Christians and imprisoning them and killing them, right? And so it says, uh, they're all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. They're going, great, now he's got a new trick where he pretends he's a Christian, and that's how he gets us all, right? And so nobody's going anywhere near him. But look at verse 27. Actually, let's read verse 27 together. Are you ready? Everybody, here we go. And go. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. Everybody's running from Paul. Barnabas pulls him in. He, he uses his influence with the apostles and gives him a platform to begin to start his ministry right there in Jerusalem. It's, it's remarkable what Barnabas did. It makes you wonder, if Barnabas didn't show up in the way that he did, who else would the Lord have had to raise up to come and, and be that person for Paul to get started? Barnabas was open-handed with his influence. But you also see, he, he's an includer, right? He's, you've seen that. You've seen like leaders who they stiff arm in everybody. Everything's about them. They maintain control. They maintain information, right? Everything is focused on them. They don't care about others or how they look. They only care about themselves. But that's not the way with Barnabas, right? Actually, this guy's constantly including people. So if you go to Acts chapter 11, uh, you can look at this later, but what happens is the gospel gets spread all the way to a city called Antioch that's out on the ocean, and at Antioch, people are like coming to faith and amazing move of God. So the apostles who are in Jerusalem go, hey, Barnabas, go check out this work that's happening and tell us what goes on. So none of the apostles go, they send Barnabas. What does that tell you about their level of trust with Barnabas? They trust this guy. So he goes, he checks it out, and he's like, this is real. This is legit. So he stays, and he encourages them. He teaches them how to walk with Christ. But he realizes that the work is more that he alone can handle. So what does he do? He, he heads up to a city called Tarsus. This is where Paul was from. And he had made his way back there after he came to faith. He grabs Paul, brings him back to Antioch, and says, we got to do this thing together. And so they stay there, and they teach these Christians in Antioch more and more about who Christ is. And so Barnabas is just including people in the work that God's called him to. A little bit later in Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3, the Holy Spirit sets apart Paul and Barnabas to begin doing missionary journeys. And so they agree, they set out to go do that. But what's interesting is it's not just Barnabas and Paul. Barnabas brings another guy along, a guy by the name of John Mark. It's actually his cousin. And, and what's interesting about that is John Mark is actually what you've read some of his writings before. If you've read the Gospel of Mark, that's his. The Holy Spirit led John Mark to write the Gospel of Mark, right? It's just amazing. The, the, all of the people that Barnabas is included in this thing, and he's just pulling them in to be a part of the work. And so Barnabas had, it was this open-handed lifestyle. That's just, that's just how he lived. He's constantly inviting people in, and it's what set him apart as a remarkable leader 
in the book of Acts and in the church. And so the question then becomes, well, how did Barnabas get this way? Was he just like a, just like a great guy anyways? Like he's just naturally, you know, he's like, oh, some people, they're just naturally giving. And so maybe is that who Barnabas was? No, not really. Actually, if you look at Acts chapter 11, verse 24, it will tell you how Barnabas came to be the way that he was. And here's the second truth for us, is that Barnabas was full of the Holy Spirit. He was full of the Holy Spirit. This is what Acts eleven twenty four says, that for he was a good man. And then Luke, who wrote Acts, says, let me explain to you why, why he was a good man. Because he was full of the Holy Spirit and he was full of faith. This, this is what drove Barnabas. Why was he a good man? Because he was full of the Holy Spirit. He was full. He was packed He was brimming. He was overflowing that the Holy Spirit is literally pouring out of Barnabas. He's so full. You begin to see the fruit of the Spirit so evident in the life of Barnabas, his gentleness, his generosity, his empowering, his clarity with the gospel. Absolutely remarkable that the Holy Spirit had made his home in Barnabas, and it was evident to everybody around You know, that phrase, full of the Holy Spirit, is actually the same exact phrase that Luke uses to describe Stephen in Acts chapter 6. And Stephen was chosen as one of the first deacons in the church. Stephen was the first to give his life for the gospel of Jesus after Jesus rose from the dead, right? Stephen, he gets up and he shares the gospel with clarity, and it says he was full of the Holy Spirit. And then after he shares who Jesus is and why he's put his faith in him, he's killed for it, right? Full of the Holy Spirit. That's the same exact phrase that Luke used in Luke chapter 4 after Jesus is baptized and right before he goes in to face a temptation in the wilderness. The same way that Jesus is described, full of the Holy Spirit, the same way that Stephen's described, full of the Holy Spirit, is the same way that Barnabas is described. And you have to know that God uses people in remarkable ways, when they're full of the Holy Spirit, right? When they're filled by him. Because the Holy Spirit will transform you as a follower of Jesus Christ. He will change your life. You know, actually, it's the Holy Spirit who will lead you to confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It's the Holy Spirit who will lead you to worship him, right? It's not because like I came up with a good idea and go, oh, maybe my life would be better if I started following Jesus, right? That idea was first planted in my mind, in my spirit, by God's spirit, right? He opened my eyes to the truth of who Jesus is. The Holy Spirit will lead you to want to read the scripture and to understand it. He leads you into truth. The Holy Spirit will actually renew your mind and change the way you think about your life and situations, Right? Some situations where you used to, you know, you just wanted to haul off and let someone have it. You ever been there? Or just me? Right? <laughs> and in the moments when you come back and you go, I would have normally wanted to just let you have it. And in this time, I just, I want to bless you. I want to show kindness to you. I want to, I want to grant forgiveness, right? The Holy Spirit will actually move you to want to pray. The Holy Spirit will move you to want to resist sin, to share the gospel, to live in an open-handed way. You've got to know that Barnabas, he wasn't just a good man. He was a good man because he was full of the Holy Spirit. It was changing him. It was transforming his life. 
But the other thing that passage says, and it's our third truth, is that Barnabas was full of faith. Right? He was full of faith. Again, that's Acts 11.24. He's a good man, he's full of the Holy Spirit, and he's full of faith. Now, that word faith in this context means trust in the good news of Jesus. So Barnabas was just totally set on the good news of Jesus Christ. He was full of it. And, and in fact, I love that word full. Not only does it mean full in the Greek, it can also be translated as infected. That Barnabas was infected with the gospel. He was infected with the Holy Spirit in a wonderful way. And I'll tell you what, you get the right infection, you end up sharing it with other people. <laughs> right? This is probably one that's good to pass on. And so Barnabas is full of the good news of Jesus Christ. Well, what is that? What does that mean? And very, very quickly, here's what we talk about. Here's what we mean when we're talking about the good news of Jesus. We're talking about the fact that God is the author of open-handedness. Generosity began with God. It begins with God. You look back at Genesis. It's God who gives you and you and me life. It's God who put his image within us. We're not created in the image of anybody else. We're created in the image of God. It's God, right? According to James chapter 1, verse 5, it's God who gives us wisdom with remarkable generosity when we ask him for it. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 7, is that, says that it's God who forgives generously, right? And so open-handed living begins with God. And if you want to look at the greatest act of open-handedness, it's the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is no more generous moment than the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. This is the most generous thing that could have ever happened. Think about this. God could have been closed-fisted with grace and mercy, right? I gave you the rules. You broke the rules. Now it's on you to suffer the consequences of the rules. He could have done that, and he would have been right to do it. But instead, what does he choose? He chooses open-handedness. He chooses open-handedness. And in the process, what Jesus does is he takes ownership of your sin. This is what 2 Corinthians 5, 21 is talking about, that, that he takes ownership of your sin, that, that which belongs to you, he makes it his own. And that those who put their faith in him, who put their trust in him, he gives them ownership of what belongs to him, which is righteousness and a healthy relationship with God. And so now what happens is by faith in Jesus, you can actually be set free from tight-fisted living. You can actually be set free from self-centered lifestyle. Because when you say yes to him, what ends up happening is the Holy Spirit makes his home in every truly born-again believer. You know, actually, Scripture says that's the dividing line between those who belong to Christ and those who don't belong to Christ. See, a lot of us, we, go, the, we say, well, the dividing line is where you're raised in a Christian family. That's not what Scripture says. Well, the dividing line is whether you go to church or not. That's not what the Bible says. Well, the dividing line is whether you prayed a prayer at some point in your life, whether there is fruit that shows that that prayer took a, a, just resonance in your life or not. No, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the difference between those who belong to Jesus and those who don't is if the Holy Spirit lives in you. If the Holy Spirit's alive in you, you belong to him. And if the Holy Spirit's not in you, you're not his. But here's the good news. Even if he's not in you and you're not his, 
you can be. You can be, right? And, and again, it comes back to the place of faith. It comes to the place, it comes back to the place of trusting all of yourself to the good news of Jesus, not the good works of yourself. It's the good news, right? That's all we're doing. We're just sharing. Did you hear? Did you know? Have you heard about what Christ has done, what he has accomplished? That's the good news. Not the good to-dos, right? It's the good news. And this is what infected Barnabas, and it changed him. It absolutely changed his life. And the good news and the Holy Spirit led him to open-handed living. Now, let me be very clear that the gospel, being full of the gospel and being full of the Holy Spirit, it will lead you to open-handed living, but it does not mean that you will be perfect all of the time. It doesn't mean you won't say things you wish you hadn't said. It doesn't mean you won't do things that you wish you could take back. Right? It doesn't mean you won't make mistakes. It doesn't mean you won't hurt other people. What it means is you'll be very, very aware of those things when they do happen, and you'll grieve them. And you'll be sorry for them. And you'll confess them. And you'll do what you can to make things right because you know Christ has done everything to make things right between you and him. We see this in the life of Barnabas. Actually, we're not going to go there right now, but in Galatians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, Paul tells us that Barnabas actually struggled at one point. He wanted, he, he, right, he's sharing the gospel with all kinds of people. He's like, come to faith in Jesus Christ. It's through his grace. It's through its mercy. That's it. You don't have to do anything else but trust in him. And then a little bit later, he gets around some other law-abiding Jews, and he gets worried about what they think about him, and so he starts doing what they do. And so when he's hanging out with the Jews, he lives like the Jews. And when he's hanging out with the Gentiles, he lives like the Gentiles. And Paul says, I called him out. I called out him and I called out Peter. It's not right. You shouldn't do that. And so even Barnabas struggled with what other people thought about him. But what you see in the life of Barnabas, he's always growing. He's always growing. Acts chapter 4, he's like, here, I have some property. I sold it. Can you use it? Right, you fast forward to Acts chapter 9, and it's like he's standing up for Paul when no one else will. In Acts chapter 11, he's the solo leader that's there in Antioch, encouraging them, helping them to move forward. In Acts chapter 13, he's literally giving his entire life for the gospel, traveling around, being harassed, being beaten, right? All these things is one that, right? You begin to see that. When people who are full of the gospel and full of the Holy Spirit, they just keep growing. They're not living off of some moment from 18 years ago. They're living off of today. They're living off of a vibrant, living relationship. See, some of you guys are trying to fool yourself into thinking, well, I remember praying a prayer one time when I was nine years old. So I'm okay. Guys, that is not what the gospel says. That is not. Now, that might make you feel good in the middle of the night. The gospel says that if faith in Christ is on going, active, transforming work of the Holy Spirit in your life all of the time. And there's a dividing line. And it's not whether you got wet in a tank or not. Right? Do you see? I'm, listen, I just, I don't want anybody to leave. This is so heavy. The gravity of this is so serious. And, and, for, and for us, a lot of us, we're just so common to it. Yeah, church, Jesus, gospel, I get it. Yep, I'm in. I like it. And then, and then when I leave here, my life looks no different than when I did before I showed up at 845. But for that 90 minutes, I'm there. I'm in. That's, that's not the gospel. That's not Christ. That's something else. And it's actually very dangerous. Very dangerous. And so here's the invitation. I told you I was going to share three truths and then one invitation. Here's the invitation that I think that you and I can make 
that can actually cause us to loosen our grip in this life, and it's this. Invite Christ to lead you into open-handed living. Invite Christ to lead you into open-handed living. See, and you have to know that open-handed living, this, this living generously, it, it, it comes out of joy. It doesn't come out of obligation. You're not paying God back, right? You're not, you're not showing that he made a good investment in you. What this is, is it's the joy of knowing that I've been saved and redeemed by Christ. And so it overflows and I begin to be generous with the other people around me, right? I want to meet your needs. I want to pray for you. I want to be present. I want to help you in the things that are going on because Christ has done that for me. And what will happen is actually true open-handed living will cause you to look at every situation uniquely where you have an opportunity to give, whether it's time, resources, whatever. And you'll ask the Lord, what do you want me to do right now? And, and, And you become intentional. It actually takes a lot of work and effort to live that way that every moment you seek the Lord on what he would have you to do. You know what's a whole lot easier? Rules. Rules are way easier, right? Rules like this. I serve one Sunday a month. I go to church twice a month, so then I can do whatever else I want with the rest of my time. I gave the Lord an hour this week. I gave the Lord two Sundays this month. Now I can do whatever I want. I remember, I remember a time in my life, right? Christine and I were giving 10% of our income, actually growing in that. And I was like proud of the fact, like, dude, we're tithing. That means I can do whatever I want with the rest of my money. That's what I thought. I gave God his allowance, and now I can go do whatever I want to do with the rest of my money. I believe that. And then, and then the more I study Scripture, the more that the Holy Spirit is transforming me, I began to see that the biblical concept of true giving isn't giving an hour a week. It's not giving a Sunday a month. It's not even giving 10% of my income to the Lord. That true giving begins with this truth, that everything I have belongs to the Lord, including my very life. Everything. Not a portion not the first fruits, all the fruits, the bad fruits belong to, you ever thought about that? The, the things that aren't great enough, that belongs to the Lord. It's his. All of it is his. And true giving starts with that, and then it flows out of that, right? That's what this is. It's inviting God to use everything I have for his glory and for his purposes. This is the way of Christ. This is the way of Christ. Not let me give you some portion, I'll do whatever I want. I appease you so I can have what I want. No, every single moment of every day belongs to him. And I want to live in reliance on him. This is what 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says this. Paul says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Here's what Paul is saying. Christ owns everything. It's his. All of it. And he chose to be open-handed. And he chose to become poor. He came in the form of a man so that the poor in spirit, you and me, could have an opportunity to inherit his wealth. And I'm not talking about money. And I'm not talking about a mansion in heaven. You know what his wealth is? A healthy relationship with the Father where I can go to him at any moment, at any time. That's the true wealth of Christ. See, I have had my sights set so low for so many years, when I first began following Jesus, I was, I was like excited. Oh, maybe I'll get a check in the mail for $1,000. You know? Oh, I can't wait for my mansion in heaven. Oh, I can't wait for... And the real wealth is it's the Father. 
being with him, knowing him, walking with him, trusting him and relying on him in every moment. That's the motivation for open-handed living. That's what motivated Barnabas. And that's what can motivate you as well. And so very quickly, just three thoughts on how to move in, how to invite Christ to lead me into open-handed living. Just very quickly. Number one, resist the rules of giving. Just resist them. Throw them away. Get rid of them. Resist the rules of giving because each moment stands on its own. And just be sensitive to the Spirit on what He would have you to do in those moments. Here's a second thing you might do. Meditate on the gospel. Just think deeply about it. What does it mean that Christ, though he is rich, became poor for my sake so that I might become rich in him, right? You might just meditate on 2 Corinthians 8, chapter 8, verse 9. But think, fill yourself, fill your, fill your mind with the gospel until it comes to a place where it just absolutely thrills your soul. And you're sitting there smiling, thinking about the fact of what Christ has done for you in your place. And, oh, there's nowhere else I'd rather be than with him. Here's a third thought. Choose generosity when your flesh fights against it. Do it just once, okay? Maybe it's the next one. I don't know. But the next time you sense God leading you to choose generosity and your flesh goes, no, 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 it's going to cost you're going to lose out on some future opportunity. You're, no, no, no. If you do this, you know we're not going to be able to. Just in that moment, just once, just try it once. Choose generosity when your flesh is fighting against it and see what God does with that. See how God uses that. See what he does in the lives of other people. See what he does in your life. All right? Think about it. And then, here's what I would encourage you. Do it again. <laughs> and then do it again right? And just keep trusting the Lord. And listen, I know for a lot of us, our minds are immediately going, we're going to money. Because that's, for some reason, that's just the way our culture is wired. We're thinking money. We're talking about way more than money. Way more than money. We're talking about time. We're talking about influence. We're talking about being open-handed with the gospel. We're talking about being open-handed with friendships. We're talking about being open-handed with forgiveness. See, now, now we're stepping into real places, right? You can get angry about money. You get ticked when you start talking about giving away forgiveness to somebody you've been withholding that and right, you feel rightly about it. They don't deserve it. You don't know what they did, Fritz. You weren't there. You didn't feel what I felt. You're right. I didn't. But there's one who did. And actually, he felt more than you will ever feel in your life. He was betrayed deeper than any of us will ever be betrayed. And yet, right? Think about that. How many times have I betrayed Christ? And yet Christ keeps coming back, offering forgiveness. Wow. That's open-handed living. That's open-handed living. And so here's something, here's something I'm going to try this week. And I might invite you to join me in it. And it's this. That you might find five to 15 minutes each day, just this week, to simply meditate on the gospel. Just meditate on the gospel. That's it. You find a place, maybe it's in your bedroom, maybe it's in your backyard, maybe you go to a park, maybe, maybe you're in your car because you can lock the doors and the kids can't get in. Right? I don't know. I don't know. But you go find somewhere and you just spend five to 15 minutes, who knows, maybe longer, just meditating, thinking deeply on the gospel and let that transform your very soul. 
And we, we actually have a resource that's on meditation, Bible meditation. And if you'd like to receive that, that's the next step on the back of your connection card. I'd, I would love to email that to you tomorrow if you'd like to receive that. Just make sure your, your email's on the front and you check that next step on the back to help you meditate on Scripture and the Gospel. Listen, I, I, I shared with you that I thought the way, the way to freedom was through, was through wealth, was through respect, right? That was before I came to faith. But do you know, you know what? I struggled with that for years, even after I came to faith. I still thought that that was the way that I would be able to fight the emptiness that was in my life. And the more that, I, that the Holy Spirit began to open up my eyes to the gospel, I realized that things like wealth, things like respect, things like influence, right? All of that, those are empty calories. They're empty calories. And I couldn't live off of it. I couldn't survive off of that. And, and what it really was, when I began to see the character of God from the scriptures as he has revealed himself, when I began to pursue the good news more than doing the good works, when I began to see the work of the Holy Spirit in my life, I became satisfied. It was enough. It was enough. And listen, when I look back, Christine and I, I think we're celebrating. I was great. This was great. She didn't even know how long we were married like a week ago. It was wonderful. It was one of the greatest moments of my marriage, uh, right? <laughs> Somebody asked her, like, how long have you been married? She goes, uh, I don't know. It's like, yes, I'm not the only one who forgets. It's 21 years this summer, by the way. But last 21, yeah, that's right. It can be done with the Lord. <laughs> but the last 21 years, I look back on that. We have had seasons of great need. We've been in deep, deep need over the last 21 years. We've been in deep need of resources, time, friendships. We've also had seasons where we have been in overwhelming abundance. We have just had stuff, the blessings of God, right? More, more time than we knew what to do with, more relationships than we knew what to do with, right? More, more resources than we knew what to do with. We've had both. And can I tell you, in all honesty, I've looked back and I've evaluated on those, and I've found that actually the most joyful times of my life have just been with God. And it didn't matter whether we had a bunch or we had a little. It really it just didn't matter, right? That God has sustained us through the gospel and through the Holy Spirit. That God has grown us to the place where our joy truly is found in Christ, no matter what our current situation is. Right? And that's, I think that's the beginning of open-handed living. And, and you and I, what together, we can invite Christ to lead us into open-handed living as well. And it'll change your life. I want to invite you to bow your heads and to close your eyes and to ask this one question, Jesus, what are you saying to me right now? And I just want you to listen to him for a moment. What's he saying to you? things that I love about our church is we try to be as open-handed as we possibly can with prayer. And so here's what's going to happen. The band's going to lead us in one more song as they're coming up here this morning. And, 
And if you want to pray, I'm going to invite you to, in a moment, to stand up and to slip out of your seat, come down the aisle. And we're going to have leaders in each corner of the room, prayer leaders. I'm going to ask those prayer leaders if they'll start making their way to those places now. But they're going to be available to pray with you about any area of your life at all, right? And, and you don't have to be a member of Lighthouse Community. You don't have to be a regular attender. Listen, you don't even have to be a Christian to go and pray with one of these leaders. All you have to do is actually be open-handed, right? To be open-handed to believe that God has something for you today in this place. And let me tell you, these leaders would absolutely love to pray with you about anything at all. And you don't have to be embarrassed. You don't have to feel embarrassed because they're not going to embarrass you. Uh, let me tell you just really quickly, if you've never gone to one of these prayer leaders, I'm going to tell you at least how it goes when I show up. Or maybe it's different because I'm the pastor. I doubt it. I doubt it. But I come up and they're like, and they say something like this, hey, good morning. And I'm like, hey. And they go, how can I pray for you? And then what I end up doing is I babble these words out and that like I kind of say, well, I got this going on and I'm feeling this thing and that's going on and I just kind of share stuff and then I just kind of stop talking and I go, can you turn that into a prayer at all? <laughs> and they go, yeah, I can do that. And then they pray for me and they say amen because that's how you hang up on prayer. And, and then I go back to my seat and I worship the Lord from there and it's really, really good. And so I just want to invite you, because maybe some here today, you're going, I, what do they do up there? Is it weird? Are they going to try to knock me down? I don't know what's happening. And, and listen, it's just people praying. That's it. That's all it is. And so if you're here in the house, I'm going to ask you to stand as we prepare for worship. And as we prepare for prayer, let me pray for you. And then I want to invite you to come and pray, pray as well, if you'd like to. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw every single person who needs prayer right now. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 9.09 or 11.11. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. 